Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 150, BGA's Top 100, 2018 version. We'd like to thank our Patreon backer, Tim, for helping us bring you an ad-free episode. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. Anthony, we are at our 150 episode. What we wanted to do is bring you one of the, I guess, quintessential things as far as board gaming is concerned. Something we haven't done in quite some time, and that is our top 100 board games of all time. Yes. Yeah, we did this uh, almost two years ago. Daniel and Drew were both still on the show at the time, so that was all four of us, if you want to hear kind of a, an amalgamation. Yeah, we're so glad to bring you our top 100 board games. Obviously, there are so many board games out there, and as the industry grows, more and more games are going out, and we don't get all of those games to the table. So if by chance we miss one of your favorite games, don't forget... You can still let us know. We can still talk about it on the podcast on our Facebook channel, on Twitter, on BoardGamersAnonymous.com. There's a way to respond to us there. We also have our email address, Chris at BoardGamersAnonymous.com and Anthony at BoardGamersAnonymous.com. We definitely want to hear from you, and we definitely want to get your comments on Stitcher and iTunes. So hit us up if we're not playing or not talking about a game that you absolutely love, so maybe it'll make our list next time. Okay, so with that said, let's get into the feature review, which is BGA's Top 100 Board Games of All Time 2018 Edition. Now, let's start off with number 100. Our number 100 game, Dominant Species. Now, at first look, this game seems incredibly abstract, incredibly complex, and just would kind of repel you from the table. But if you do sit down and play this game, I guarantee you, you're going to have a wonderful experience. It's a long game. It, it kind of tips around the three to four hour mark. But basically what you're doing is you're given a species that you're trying to grow while all these other species are pushing back against you. You have a special ability that's going to help you expand and explore it's really a wonderful kind of 4x game here and there's a really interesting track where you take certain abilities and based upon where they are on the track they activate at different times there's special ability cards that kind of mess everything up it's a beautiful amalgamation of ameritrash and euro gaming at its best that's our number 100 game, Dominant Species. Uh, number 99 is Matt Gertz's Navigador. This is a beautiful, beautiful looking board, that kind of old style map. It has the rondelle, it has the um, resource pickup and deliver mechanisms, it has the market that you have to manage. Lots and lots of interesting ideas in this game, and you can see many of his other games kind of represented here in either in early or later forms. If you're a fan of Concordia or if you're a fan of some of his other games that use similar mechanics, Navigador is well worth checking out. That's number 99, Navigador. Number 98 is Railroad Revolution. Now, if you're in board gaming, you are definitely playing some sort of train game, and Railroad Revolution really hasn't gotten the love that it deserves. It's an amazing game as far as connecting all these different cities together, placing stations, but what's really dynamic here is the special abilities that come into play and the different ways to win. 
different color meeples are activated by using a really interesting tableau mechanic that allows you to do a number of different things in order to reach your goals. As I said, number of different ways to play this game. It's not as crunchy as your 18 double X games, but it gives you a really good feel of building a railroad system, utilizing special abilities and reaching out to the West Coast. That's our number 98 game. Railroad Revolution. Number 97 is Orleans. Orleans is a bag building game. It is not the only bag building game anymore, but it's still, in my opinion, the best. You are building up different types of workers that you can go out and use for different things on the board. There's a different map that you can kind of manage to take control of different areas. There are, I think at this point, 10 or 11 different expansion modules, at least half of which are really good, and several different ways to play this game solo. It's fantastic old-style French medieval artwork, too, which is just really, really fun to look at. That's number 97, Orleans. Number 96 is Memoir 44. This Days of Wonder classic game is something that keeps hitting the table over and over again. Wonderful miniatures, great board design, graphic display, and using the, I would say, brilliant command and color system as far as picking a card in order to activate your troops in a particular order, in particular locations, and with its rich and deep history that this game employs as far as setting up different scenarios and enacting famous battles. It's such a wonderful game and it's completely accessible by a large number of people. If you're looking for a wonderful two-player game and battling it out, Memoir 44 is your game. That's our number 96. Number 95 is Lords of Waterdeep, but with the caveat that you should have the expansion as well. Uh, Lords of Waterdeep is a fantastic worker placement, set collection, and mission completion game based on the Dungeons & Dragons world. Uh, with the expansion, you bring in a lot of new interesting ideas, including the corruption, which really adds some new elements to the game. But even just the base game is a really fun gateway-style entry into worker placement with a theme that a lot of people enjoy, uh, whether they're board gamers or not. So that's number 95, Lords of Waterdeep. Our number 94 game is a reprint that is clearly an amazing update. That's Mare Nostrum Empires by Academy Games. When you're thinking about these big, dominating, epic games, Mare Nostrum Empires has to be one of the best. What's really interesting about it is not just its graphic design and its artwork, but its interesting gameplay as far as you are warring against all these other civilizations that have special abilities, but at the same time, trade still has to happen. So during each game, there is always going to be a phase each round in which you'll be trading with your neighbors in order to reach different victory point conditions. You can dominate the board. You can get all of these special gods and monuments. Or maybe it's all about gold. Or maybe it's all about different resources. It's a phenomenal game. It's an epic game. And it is our 94 game, Mare Nostrum Empires. Number 93 is Vikings. This is a Z-Man release, which is very difficult to find. Comes in and out of print. I think there, it is possible to find it at the moment, so well worth putting on here. Um, this is a fantastic little game. You are drafting from a rondelle in the middle of the table different Vikings and ship cards and island cards and trying to build your tableau in a way that you score points, get money, repel invaders, and make it to the end with the most combination of those things to maximize your victory points. That is number 93, Vikings. Our number 92 game is Last Will slash The Prodigal's Club. What's so interesting about these games 
is that they employ a mechanic that is so obvious. In typical Eurogame fashion, you are building up your machine to generate victory points. But in Last Will and the Particles Club, at some point, you have to break that machine down. And in this kind of case, in this very humorous kind of case, you are doing it by really looking quite foolish. You're bringing a horse to dinner. You have all these wacky people helping you. You are selling off property for the look, you know, the lowest price possible. It's joyous fun, and it's so deep and strategic when you get to those last steps and you're trying to break down, you're trying to get rid of those last dollars you have. It's really, really a lot of fun. It's Brewster Millions at its best. And it is our number 92 game, Last Will slash The Prodigals Club. Number 91 is Council of Four. Council of Four is a recent release in Europe, and I've had it now for a little while. And the new Simon version is coming out very, very soon. So keep your eye out for that. It looks beautiful. This is a game in which you are um, moving different workers around this map, a modular map that lays out in different ways, depending on how you want to set up the game. And you are taking control and placing your different buildings in each of these different cities. As they chain together, they activate and you get more and more things. You get this kind of snowball effect as the game goes along. You're using different cards to activate these different actions to do different things on the board as a very cool uh, mechanism with different counselors sitting in front of different locations and then these different tiles that you're going to complete based on the types of cards you need to have. It is fantastic. It's quick. It's easy. It's a nice midweight Euro. And I'm really happy to see it coming to the U.S. That is Council of Four, number 91. Number 90 is Cyclades. This is a wonderful wagering game that you are trying to get the power of the gods in order to act their special abilities that allow you to ship out, wage war, gain temples, and hopefully end up with the most metropolis possible as quickly as possible. The Hades expansion adds a lot to this game in variable setup, and the Titans expansion adds to quicker gameplay. That's our number 90 game, Cyclades. Number 89 is Star Wars Imperial Assault. This is Descent with Star Wars. It comes with two different ways to play, one versus many, Imperials versus Rebels, or you can play one-on-one -on -one in skirmish mode with all the heroes you know and love. There's now a third way to play the game with the apps. You can play without the one versus many and just play cooperatively or even solo. It's Star Wars on a board all these giant miniatures, there are about eight different packs now you can buy for this thing, plus all the different individual figures. One of my favorite Star Wars games, number 89, Star Wars Imperial Assault. Number 88 is Citadels. This is a hidden role game that it's unlike any other hidden role game. It's actually a lot of fun. Basically, you are building up your Citadel by paying gold to build up special buildings that are going to score you victory points, and some buildings will actually give you special abilities. But what's really interesting is the hidden role mechanic in which it allows you to enact that character's special ability in order to build, in order to expand, and in order to mess with your opponents a little bit. That's our number 88 game, Citadels. Number 87, Zulkin, the Mayan Calendar. This is a worker placement game. It's very similar to a lot of other worker placement games, with one exception, these giant wheels. So you're going to place your workers. The wheels are going to turn every turn. And then you're when you activate that worker and take them off, it's going to depend on where they are for how the wheel has turned. So you'll be gathering different resources like corn and gold and crystal skulls and using those to complete different objectives you're trying to gain and upgrade various things. And it's very, very similar classic Euro feel with some very cool mechanics. If you've seen one of these with a painted wheel, it's even more beautiful to look at. That's number 87, Zulkin. Number 86 is Kuba. 
Now, Cuba is a really interesting game because it takes a lot of the Euro mechanics and employs it the best way possible. You are going to be producing goods that are going to go on a market in order to sell and buy to gain victory points. But what's really dynamic here is your tableau building. By purchasing special buildings and where you place them in your plantation, you're going to activate those buildings in a row or in a column. The best fun thing about Cuba happens to be the fact that there's going to be voting that goes around each round that's going to enact special laws that are going to give you victory points or going to mess with you a little bit or just going to kind of bolster a lot of your special buildings. Uh, Cuba is a fun game and definitely something that everyone should check out. And that's our number 86. Number 85 is Russian Railroads. This is when you talk about a snowballing game, this is what I think of personally. It has multiple different tracks you're trying to build out. There are three different versions of the game now you can have, the original Russian rails, the German railroads, which has a ton of great expansion options that kind of makes the game more variable, or the American railroads mini expansion. But they're all basically the same idea in that you are upgrading your tracks from the original black all the way up to these powerful white ones. And the score is exponential based on how far you go on that track. You get bonuses, you get one-time upgrades, you get all these fun things Every action you take is more points. That's why I love it so much. That's number 85, Russian Railroads. Our number 84 is Hardback. There are so many wonderful world-building games that it's really a credit to Hardback and Tim Fowers for this game to be as high as it is on the list. Utilizing Star Realms mechanics as far as building certain words and based upon the genre of those words, you'll gain special abilities and points throughout the game. It's really the most refined and beautiful edition of Tim Fowers' word games. That's our number 84 game, Hardback. Number 83 is Civilization the Board Game. There are many different versions, but this is the, not the most recent, but the one before that from Fantasy Flight Games. It is the implementation of Civilization 4 from Sid Meier, and it is a brilliant, huge, massive, sprawling 4X game. There are two expansions for this which I do recommend to help fix a couple of issues in the original. But even if you just have the base game, it's one of my favorite 4X games because it really does a good job of re-implementing and reimagining what it's like to play that video game. That's number 83, Civilization, the board game. Number 82, The Oracle of Delphi. This is Stefan Feld's race game. Basically, what you're doing is you're trying to appease the gods by rolling dice, placing them in a certain way that allows you to move across waters to reach certain islands to accomplish tasks that needs to be done whether it's building monuments fighting monsters or gaining enough victory points based upon cards and of course avoiding the plague the oracle of delphi is a fun interesting dynamic euro race game that's our number 82 the oracle of delphi all right number 81 is the manhattan project energy empire this is not like the original Manhattan Project in that in this one, you are trying to avoid things like pollution. You are trying to power your personal civilization here, and you do that by worker placement on various locations to get new cards and to get resources that you need. You build your own tableau of cards that you will activate based on where you place in the future, and then you have to manage your resources, which come in the form of both dice and specific icons and pieces that you're going to have in your tableau. The game is very tight. It's very interesting. There's a pollution mechanic you have to manage depending on what type of power you use. All of that comes together to make a fantastic, unique Euro game. That's number 81, the Manhattan Project, Energy Empire. Number 80 is Kalis. 
This is the classic Euro game when anyone thinks about Euro games. Basically, Kalis is all about building up your kingdom and activating those special abilities by moving down this track. And at the same time, it's the Euro game all about messing with your neighbors because you can always push them back and allow them not to score any points whatsoever. Build up the castle, score victory points, build up special buildings. It's all down this really challenging row. And in some ways, it's also a little bit of a race game. That's our number 80 game, Kalis. Number 79 is London, second edition. From Martin Wallace and recently re-released by Osprey Publishing, this is a game of building a tableau and running your city. But like any Martin Wallace game, there are loans if you run out of money. There is poverty if you get too carried away in building your city. There are district cards you can take, which give you all sorts of bonuses, but might also hurt you. You have to manage all these things carefully. But in the end, it's just a lot of fun to pull new cards and build your city and do cool things with it. It's quick. It's accessible. And it is our number 79 game, London, second edition. Number 78 is Aquasphere. Often on sale, but definitely worth your money and your time. It's a programming game that really doesn't bog down in the programming. Basically, you're underwater and you are researching. You're, you're setting off subs. You are building your little bathosphere yourself. And basically, it's the most colorful, bright, interesting, and engaging Euro game from the Feld collection and pretty much from any kind of Euro collection. A really fun and dynamic game. That's our number 78 game, Aquasphere. Number 77 is Richard Garfield's take on Yahtzee, King of Tokyo. You roll dice. They give you various icons, which allow you to attack or heal or just get a different set that gives you points. You can win the game by knocking out all of your opponents, either from inside or outside of Tokyo, depending on where they are, or by getting to 20 points. It's fantastic. It's quick. It's accessible for the family, but you can throw in power-up cards for all your gamer friends. That's number 77, King of Tokyo. Number 76 is Amon Ray. Now, what's so dynamic and interesting about this game is, of course, it's a Euro game and you're building up your civilization. You're utilizing special ability cards. You are chasing down opponents in order to score as much points as possible as you push them out of certain areas. But wait, the game stops, it resets, and now that wonderful little area along the Nile that you built up is now up for auction and anyone else could take it. It's really an interesting dynamic and a really a lot of fun. That's our number 76 game, Amon Ray. Number 75 is Mike Fitzgerald's Diamonds. This is one of the only trick-taking games I like because it makes sure you always get to do something. <laughs> there are different suit actions for all of the major suits that let you take diamonds, steal from other people, move them into your vault, all sorts of cool stuff. You always get some kind of reward for playing the game. You never miss your turn like a lot of other trick-taking games. That is Diamonds, number 75. Number 74 is Lorenzo Il Manifico. Basically, what we're seeing here is a revised and an updated edition of the Grand Austria Hotel. Basically, it allows you to choose a market full of cards in order to add to your tableau to give you special edition resources to gain gold to be able to gain special abilities throughout the game and a number of different set collection mechanics. It's fun and dynamic as far as rolling the dice and seeing how powerful your abilities are going to be. There's a lot of special abilities that really make this an asymmetrical game that typically isn't an asymmetrical game. It's tremendous fun. It's our number 74 game, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Number 73 is Conflict of Heroes Awakening the Bear. This is from Academy Games, and it is a war game, but it is a war game that does it in a very accessible, quick, 
skirmish-based way. The games take less than an hour. Learning the game takes only a couple hours. Lots and lots of fun just out of the box. There's also a solo expansion, which is a fantastic way to learn and to try new things. And you can even build your own firefights separate from the ones in the book uh, with one of the other expansions. Conflict of Heroes system is incredibly popular. Tons of content out there for it. But Awakening the Bear is, in my experience, the, the most accessible and easiest to get into one and the one that I currently have on my shelf. So that's number 73, Conflict of Heroes, Awakening the Bear. Number 72 is San Juan. This is such a classic, wonderful game. It's all about one deck of cards that does so many different things. You are building a tableau of buildings. You are producing resources on your plantation. You are selling off those resources from the plantation to build bigger and better buildings. There are, of course, special city buildings that were going to score you multiple victory points depending on how your tableau looks at the end of the game. Wonderful four-player game, interesting and dynamic, and always welcome at the table. That's our number 72 game, San Juan. Number 71 is Arkwright. Arkwright is designed by Stefan Riesthaus. It is from Capstone Games most recently. And in it, you are running a factory in England in the late 18th century, and you were trying to buy your own shares. But you also have to increase the value of those shares. So you have to carefully manage how you take actions, when you take them, when you buy your shares, when you cash them out if you need the money. Lots and lots and lots of stuff in this game. So complicated and heavy, in fact, that there are two versions, a two to three hour version and a four to six hour version coming right out of the box. This is a fantastic heavy game and one that I absolutely love playing whenever I can get it to the table. That's number 71, Arkwright. Number 70 is Dynasties, Herat and Hirsch. Now, this is a wonderful game by Matthias Kramer that really allows you to kind of build up your civilization amongst these different countries in Europe, but you have to utilize marriage in order to gain the most victory points possible, to gain a dowry, to have children that allow you to, once again, gain more control over a particular area. Playing cards give you special abilities. It allows you to pick up special tokens. So for that round, you're as asymmetrical as possible. Beautiful game, great design, and utilizing the I split you choose mechanic is something we don't often see in games, and it's really fun. That's our number 70 game, Dynasties, Harat and Hirsch. Number 69 is Princes of Florence from Wolfgang Kramer and the Ulrichs. This game is about trying to attract artists and scholars and other people of renown to become the most prestigious family in Florence. You do this by purchasing different buildings and cards and building them out on your own personal grid. So this is one of the first Euros that really used that polyomino idea, which I love. And it does it over the course of seven rounds. Lots and lots of different things you can do. So you have to manage all of your possible actions. There's an auction and bidding mechanic, that, which works really well within the mechanics of the game. It's just a fantastic game that a lot of people overlook, and I really, really enjoy it. That is number 69, Princes of Florence. Number 68 is Goa. Now, Goa is a fascinating game that really utilizes an auction mechanic in probably the best way possible. There's going to be a grid on the middle of the table that is going to allow you to put certain things up for auction, but depending on where they're located, those different items that come up for auction may be more valuable than others based upon what's next to them. You'll also be able to update and have a really specialized tableau of special abilities as you, as you play different cards to gain, to gain victory points and money that's going to allow you to utilize the auction mechanic even better. That's our number 68 game, Goa. Number 67 is Hostage Negotiator. This is a game in which you play by yourself. It's 100% solo, and you will 
purchase cards, use those cards, and roll dice to try to save hostages before the game runs out. There's a timer on the game. And real fun of this game is that there are so many different hostage takers. There's so many different game conditions. There's all these different tweaks and adjustments. There's been, I think, 10 or 11 different packs for this, plus expansions. So many, many different ways to play the game. It's brutally difficult, but it's very rewarding when you win. That's number 67, Hostage Negotiator. Number 66 is Star Wars Rebellion. It is basically Star Wars in a box. It utilizes the original trilogy, and with the expansion, it updates it just a little bit to really make the battle even more interesting. You're going to have all of these wonderful miniatures, you're going to have all of the original characters, and you're going to have this fantastic New Hope mechanic in which the Rebels are trying to hide their base and kind of run out the Empire, whereas the Empire is massive and stretching across the galaxy. You can play the new trilogy in a whole new way. It's fun, it's fantastic, it's dynamic, and it's really Star Wars in a box. That's our number 66, Star Wars Rebellion. Number 65 is Caverna, Cave vs. Cave. This is Uwe Rosenberg's two-player version of Caverna. Uh, it also plays solo, which I find very interesting. The game gives you your own personal little board, a very small tableau of possible buildings you can purchase, and different actions available in a single strip that are going to be variable based on the game. Every round, a new action unlocks, and you're going to take those actions. You start with two actions all the way up to four at the end of the game, and you will buy different things, turn those things into new rooms, all the stuff you know and love from Caverna, but boiled down and simplified into a 20-minute two-player head-to-head game. It's a fantastic implementation of the Caverna formula. That's number 65, Caverna, Cave versus Cave. Number 64 is Kemet. This fantastic war tactical battle game is all about utilizing these special tiles that really allow you to dynamically change and upgrade your civilization. You can go with defense, offense, or special abilities. And with the expansion, you are utilizing these special abilities to expand across a very small map in order to get as many victory points as possible, utilizing prayers to the different gods and fantastic miniatures that you're able to employ in this game. It also works with Cyclades monsters and miniatures as well. That's our number 64 game, Kemet. Number 63 is Patchwork, another Rosenberg game. Hint, guys, there's a whole bunch of these. It is a two-player game in which you purchase different pieces of a patchwork quilt and put it on your own personal tableau. Some of them have buttons on them. Those are going to give you income. You're going to go around this circular track and try to beat your opponent. But at the end of the game, any spaces you haven't filled on your own personal tableau are negative points. So you have to manage it, get some of those big tiles without any income on them. Some of the tiles are very expensive. You want to be careful not to run out of buttons as you go. This is a fantastic two-player game, one of my favorites, number 63, Patchwork. Number 62 is Rococo. Never has dressmaking and suit making have been so much fun. It utilizes one of the most interesting deck building mechanics I've ever come across. Now, of course, you are buying cards from a market to utilize into your hand, but you must play all those cards that are available to you. So you pick up a certain number of cards, you have to play those, but eventually all the cards will come into play. The deck building mechanic is so dynamic, placing the cards for optimal area control and victory points is fun. It's fantastic, it's interesting, it's dynamic. It's our number 62 game, Rococo. Number 61 is Spirium. In this game, you're going to have a grid of different buildings and action options, and you're going to place your own workers around those 
different options, but the cost of them and being able to take those things in the second half of any given round is determined by how many workers are around them. So you have to balance where to put your workers, when to switch from placement to picking back up, how much money you have to take these actions. And then in the end, building a tableau with these tiles that you purchase that are is going to allow you to generate and produce enough stuff to continue going in the next rounds. I love this game. I wish there was more content for it. But even as the base game, it's one of my favorites. It's number 61, Spirium. Number 60 is Glory to Rome. Probably the innovator for multi-use cards done probably the best possible because there are so many different ways for victories depending on what cards you end up in your hand. You're basically building up your little civilization by utilizing the cards to be part of your foundation, to be money that you're able to buy other cards, just throwing them into the market and seeing what you get back out of it. It's fun. It's dynamic. Even if you're passing, you're still having a lot of fun. And it's always something great, whether you follow or you play. That's our number 60 game, Glory to Rome. Number 59 is Nations. Nations is a mostly card-based civilization building game in which you have your own personal board for a civilization of your choice and you will take actions on that board and then purchase new cards to upgrade the different actions available on that board but you can only ever have as many available spaces as are on your personal board you have to keep track of the workers the resources available the architects that you're hiring to build wonders and the special actions that are on those cards plus there's a war mechanic you need to be prepared for to make sure you have enough military to withstand uh, lots and lots of things to keep track of here, and yet at the same time, somehow more accessible and a little more streamlined than you see in a lot of other 4X and Civ building games. That's number 59, Nations. Number 58, Dixit Journey. There are so many different Dixits that you can't really go wrong, but Journey really does it best with its artwork from Javier Colette, and it's just really good dynamic gameplay. Now, you're going to basically pick a card, and you're going to play the card out there with other people's cards based upon a word, a phrase, a song, something to uh, close enough to your card that allows people to guess, but not so close that everyone's going to guess it. It's a really fun, dynamic gamer's game when it comes to playing a party game. That's our number 58 game, Dixit Journey. Number 57 is Mage Knight. Mage Knight says one to four on the box, but this is a really a one or two player game, so don't try it with four. But it is a fantastic one or two player game in which you are going out and exploring this land. Tiles come out as you explore. There are different enemies that will pop up based on locations you go. You will build your deck technically, but really it's just this careful, careful puzzle that you have to put together and make sure you have the cards and the resources and the crystals needed to activate the different abilities that you want to take certain actions. You will sit and stare at your hand for a very long time, which is fantastic fun if you're playing this alone or with one other person cooperatively. That's number 57, Mage Knight. Number 56, Carson City. Who says Euro games don't have conflict? Carson City is all about picking special abilities that will allow you to get guns, to get money, to utilize the special ability of your person for that round in order to build up Carson City Put special buildings that will score you money and resources based upon what they're next to, what mountains and mines, or if they're in the middle of nowhere whatsoever. It's a fun, dynamic game, and it's amazing in the big box version. Number 56, Carson City. Number 55, Le Havre. This is Uwe Rosenberg's fishing game. Uh, in this game, you're going to be taking actions based on various buildings that come out over the course of the game. There's going to be new goods distributed to different offer spaces. You'll be able to take actions to take these goods or build new buildings, 
upgrade the goods you have, sell them, or activate your buildings and ships. Lots and lots of stuff going on here. It's a complicated game. It has a interesting layer on top of the worker placement that you don't always see in these types of games. And that's why it's well worth being up here on the list at number 55, Lahav. Number 54, St. Petersburg, first or second edition. What you're really going to love about this classic Euro game, and one of the first games that I got a chance to play, is it's all about picking cards in a market in order to build the best tableau possible. If you pick the same cards, there's a special ability that kicks in, but you're also trying to get victory points. So what do you really do? Is it victory points? Are you building your engine? When do you start? When do you stop? When do you try to go for the most possible lords possible? It's a lot of fun. It's a simple game. Unfortunately, it's out of print, but if you can find it, definitely play it or pick it up. That's our number 54 game, St. Petersburg. Number 53 is Leaving Earth. This is from designer Joseph Fatula and his publisher group, the Luminaris Group. It is self-published. It is not distributed anywhere you'll find it, and it is hard to find, but it's well worth tracking down. This is a fantastic game about the space program and getting into space. It takes place over the course of about 20 years, from 1956 to 1976, and in it you'll be building rockets, launching those rockets, putting satellites into orbit, and then moving on to other planets. The victory conditions might seem easy enough, like put a man on the moon, but you have to do a lot of things to get there. You have to test your rockets. You have to try things out. There's a chance that th certain things will fail if you don't test enough, but if you test everything, you'll run out of time. Fantastic game. Really wished it was easier to find. Uh, that is number 53, Leaving Earth. Number 52, Food Chain Magnet. Man, I never thought I would have a splatter game on this list, but I love it so much. It's got this really interesting throwback 1950s diner look in which you are trying to influence a neighborhood to pick up your special food, whether it's food, it's drink, and you are utilizing a really kind of hardcore HR MBA mechanic where you're trying to employ the right people at the right time to upgrade your workforce, utilizing marketing techniques hiring different people to produce food, hopefully holding on to the food, selling the food, and messing with your opponents because your global marketing is influencing their customers. Fantastic game, huge, crunchy, just a lot of fun. That's our number 52 game, Food Chain Magnet. Number 51 is Robinson Crusoe, Adventures on the Cursed Island. It's Ignacy Trebichek's opus game in which you are trying to survive on this island based on a number of different scenarios. So whether it's trying to gather enough wood to light a fire so people can find you or facing off against King Kong, because why not? It's Robinson Crusoe done across dozens of different options and gameplay styles. There's an expansion with the Voyage of the Beagle. It's kind of a campaign style. There's a new one coming out, Lost City of Z, which is kind of a take on zombies in the jungle. Lots and lots of interesting things. The game plays multiple players. You can play it by yourself. It comes with materials when you have fewer players. You can have Friday or the dog. Love this game. It's number 51, Robinson Crusoe, Adventures on the Cursed Isle. Number 50 is Shipyard. Now, Shipyard is all about the rondelles. It's got so many of them. And basically, you're building ships. What I really enjoy best about this game is at the start of the game, you're given all of these end gold conditions that are going to score you multiple victory points. But as the game goes on, you're able to discard these until you get down to a final two. So you can build towards all these paths of victory, and if your opponent's kind of stymie you here and there, don't worry about it, you could just take another path. 
special abilities in this game, moving your ships around these different canal areas, and an endless number of chits. If you ever wanted the true, true Euro chit game mechanic, this is totally for you. That's our number 50 game, Shipyard. Number 49 is Fields of Arl, another Rosenberg game. In this game, you are harvesting peat from a vast space of land and then taking one of dozens of actions on this player board to get resources, build up your farm, generate new opportunities. You know the deal. But this is a fantastic game because it plays just one to two players. It is a sandbox in the purest sense of the word, and you can do almost anything you want. The actions are broken down by both summer and winter, so you have different seasonal things you can do. Love this game. New expansion coming soon to add even more stuff to it. That's that's number 49, Fields of Arl. Number 48 is Mombasa. What's really interesting and dynamic about this game is not only are you expanding and utilizing resources on the continent, but you're also being very careful to to utilize the different markets that go into this game. There are four different markets, not just one. And what's great about the game is it actually flips over, so you can actually play with different markets that are going to give you special abilities. There's a diamond track, there's a book track, and there are special abilities you could pick up each turn, not to mention all these fantastic cards that are going to give you resources and special abilities. What's really dynamic here is utilizing these different cards that you'll play in a certain combination over three or four different spots. They have to be played in order, so how you discard the cards is even more important than how you play those cards. That's our number 48 game, Mombasa. Number 47 is A Feast for Odin. This is taking the sandbox of Fields of Arl and ramping it up a step. This is Uwe Rosenberg's most recent big, 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 big box game. You are a Viking, you are going out, and you are hunting, you are trading, you are crafting, you are raiding, and getting all these different tiles that you then place on your personal player board, polyomino style, to increase your income and cover up negative points. The end of the game, whoever has the most points, and hopefully fewest negative points, will win. This is a sprawling game with lots of different things going on, and I absolutely love it, especially for solo play. That is number 47, A Feast for Odin. Number 46 is Dominaire. This is one of the fantastic games that has been lost in the love letter Tempest universe. It's all about playing special abilities that are utilized by these different character cards that are going to allow you to influence these different places of power. It's an area majority, area control game that when you play your cards, they're not just going to activate once, but those characters are going to be able to activate multiple times depending on their special abilities and what round those special abilities come into play. Fantastic, fun game. It's definitely something you should play if you love utilizing a special tableau and area control. That's our number 46 game, Dominaire. Number 45 is Mechs versus Minions. This is Riot Games deciding they want to make a board game, and lo and behold, it was actually very good. Mechs vs. Minions is from the League of Legends universe, and in it you are programming action selection game in which you are trying to defeat various different challenges. There's 12, I think, out of the box. You unlock them as you go. And really the thing that stands out most for most people at this game is the beautiful, fantastic, over-the-top almost production of the miniatures from the tray that they sit in to the quality of the content to the painting on the player pieces it's all fantastic and fortunately it's all backed up by solid gameplay and one of the few programming games that i actually enjoy that's number 45 mechs versus minions 
Number 44 is Bruges. This is one of Felt's best games. It utilizes cards that have a number of different special opportunities on it. Whether you're activating special abilities, whether you're utilizing the cards of building, or you're utilizing the character personality placed in that building, you are building a fantastic tableau that's all your own. You're going to roll dice to see who's going to get hit, where you're going to be able to move up in particular tracks, and with the expansion, it's going to actually utilize all of the dice, and not just some of the dice. This is a fun and fantastic game, and often overlook our number 44 game, Bruges. Number 43 is Anachrony. Anachrony is a sprawling, beautiful, epic production, but in the end, it's really a worker placement game with a lot of really cool mechanics tacked onto it. You're going to generate these different workers based on where you go, and then the workers are going to activate when they're awake, and they're going to go inside of different mechs that are going to allow you to take actions on the game board. Now, the really interesting mechanic of this game is the time travel. You're always going to be at a certain point on the timeline, but you can jump back and take actions. You also can give yourself extra resources that you then later have to pay back. But if you don't, they can be negative points, depending on the, the roll of the die. Lots of interesting ideas here. Very, very cool. The solo game comes with a separate bot, which runs really smoothly. This is one of the most unique and interesting and inventive games I've played in a long time. That's number 43, Anachrony. Number 42, Kingsburg. It's all about rolling the dice, picking those dice to utilizing the special personalities on the board that blocks out everybody else in order to utilize this huge sheet of special ability buildings that are going to help you defend against the different monsters that are going to attack you at the end of each age. And it's also going to allow you to utilize special abilities that are going to give you money, extra dice to roll to, in order to utilize that market even better. And the expansion adds so much more to the game. It adds really a lot more fun if you can find it. That's our number 42 game, Kingsburg. Number 41, Arkham Horror, the card game. This takes the LCG formula from FFG and turns it into a legitimate campaign-style game built in the Arkham universe. Every pack is part of a longer story. Everything you do kind of affects future actions. The end of every campaign, every game that you play, whether you win or lose, is going to influence what happens in the future and which cards come into which decks. You can build up your own character and increase the power of your deck based on certain actions you take. Fantastic game, lots and lots of fun ideas, and as they've developed this game, even more cool and interesting ways to break the game. Love this game. It's number 41, Arkham Horror, the card game. Number 40, X-Wing Miniatures. If you're looking for a fantastic, easy-to-play, fly-pass system game, you're looking at X-Wing Miniatures. It really adheres to the Star Wars universe canon the best, has, I, has arguably the best miniatures out there, and really can be played by anybody. If you're looking for a great flight pass system and you want that tactical two-on-two -two or maybe a three-player game, that's the game you're looking for. Number 40, X-Wing Miniatures. Number 39 is Imperial Settlers. This is the more civilization cartoony take on the 51st state from Ignacy Trevacek. In it, you're going to have a tableau of cards that you build out. Some of them are common. Some of them are specific to your faction. There are four factions in the base game uh, for different nations, and then there are several different factions you can pick up in expansions. But the game, you're going to be drafting every time and building these hands of cards and then using different resources you generate from these cards to take different actions. It scales as you go, and by the end of the fifth round, you have cards all over the place doing all sorts of amazing things, including attacking your neighbors. Fantastic game. 
very cool card-driven action take on Civ building. That's number 39, Imperial Settlers. Number 38 is Bora Bora. This is another wonderfully colorful Feld game in which you are utilizing god cards to help these people on the island utilize special abilities in order to build their little civilization, gain special resource tokens. And what's really fun about this game is you're going to have to meet these special conditions at the end of each round in order to maximize your victory points. But you get to choose what you want to maximize and when you want to do that. So once again, utilizing those special tokens, what do you choose? When do you choose it? Picking up jewelry, utilizing men and women tiles to really kind of pump up your tableau is tremendous fun. That's our number 38 game, Bora Bora. Number 37 is a relatively recent game. That's Spirit Island. Spirit Island is basically the heavy Euro gamers co-op game. This game is complicated, it's inventive, it has multiple different player powers, and when you play your power, it is going to be unique to you. You are a spirit on an island trying to repel invaders from Europe, and you will do that with fire and earthquakes and wind and disease and all sorts of amazing things that you can do to them, um, while also working with the natives to uh, defend certain actions and spaces on the board. Spirit Island is a fantastic, heavy, puzzly cooperative game. And so number 37, Spirit Island. Number 36, Viticulture Essential Edition. It's all about utilizing wine and making sure it's aged to the best of its ability. But this sprawling, fun game is all about creating the best tableau possible, utilizing special abilities and actions during different seasons, utilizing these mom and papa cards that are going to allow you to grow your vineyard, build special buildings on your lands in order to score additional victory points or help your wine production along the way. It's a fantastic Stonemeyer game. That's our number 36, Viticulture Essential Edition. All right, Legends of Andor, number 35. Legends of Andor is a fantastic adventure game in which you are trying to puzzle your way through a certain set number of actions. The game takes place with a timer at the top. Every action you take uses a certain number of hours, and then the days will pass accordingly. You'll be moving your different figures across the board and trying to take out different enemies with these inventive dice system. It really comes down to kind of puzzling out how best to use your actions in the most efficient way. Game has one of the most interesting and, and inventive uh, takes on learning the game that I've seen, in which there is no actual rule book. You do it through the cards. And the story itself is always very interesting, with lots of good expansions, beautiful artwork from the designer. It's number 35, Legends of Andor. Number 34, Spice Road slash Gollum Edition. What's so amazing about Century is you are building up a little machine right in your hand. You're picking up cards to produce resources, whether they're spices or whether they're crystals. And then you're utilizing other cards in order to upgrade those resources in which you're targeting these final victory point goal cards. It's fun and interesting dynamic, and it plays with everybody. Whether you're a hardcore gamer or you're a gateway gamer, you're going to love this beautiful addition Century Spice Road slash Gollum Edition is our number 34. Number 33, Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. Just released this year. This is the newest edition of Twilight Imperium, and it takes everything to an entirely new level. This game is epic in almost every possible way, from the way you set it up to the way you generate victory points and win the game. Uh, the game is a race to 10 victory points, but don't let that fool you. It does take six to eight hours to play through it. It's a fantastic sprawling game in which everybody has their own unique powers. You have a massive board, 
dozens of different things you can do. And yet at the same time, because you're drafting those action tiles, you are not overwhelmed with the number of options in front of you at any given point. Twilight Imperium 4 is a brilliant 4X game, one of the best that are ever made. That's number 33, Twilight Imperium 4. Number 32 is Arcadia Quest. Now, Simon really knocked this game out of the park. Basically, you are building up a little band of adventurers that are going dungeon delving in order to pick up special resources, gold, and upgrade your character as much as possible. What's really fun about this game is it's not just one game, it's multiple games. Because you'll be able to pick up special abilities that will be able to help you later in order to take out the bad guys. But it's not just bad guys that you're fighting, you're fighting other players with their own team. It's fun, it's simple, no one holds a grudge. It's a really dynamic, beautiful game. That's our number 32 game, Arcadia Quest. Number 31, The Gallerist. This is Vital Lacerda's take on the art world. You are a gallerist, which means you are nurturing artists, buying and displaying their art, building and exerting your influence and reputation internationally, hiring different uh, assistants, and taking actions on one of several different spaces on the board. It has an inventive knocking people out mechanism where you get extra actions if somebody takes an action in a space you're already located. And in the end of the game, you're trying to have the most visitors in your gallery, uh, getting the most value for the art that you exhibit and sell, and then having some of the best stuff in your own personal gallery that you've scored out. This is a fantastic game, one of my favorites from Lacerda. It's number 31, The Gallerist. Number 30 is Uwe Rosenberg's probably most well-known classic game. That's Agricola. Now, Agricola is so fantastic and so dynamic because it really is a thematic Euro game. Just think about it. You're plowing a field, you're planting vegetables, you're harvesting the vegetables, you are utilizing your cooking mechanics to expand and really stretch out that food. Fun, fantastic, and yet totally gripping because you're trying to feed your family and you're trying to score victory points by building up the best farm possible as you expand your family. Really dynamic game. Our number 30 game, Agricola. Number 29 is The Duke. The Duke is an abstract tile laying and placement game similar to chess, but boiled down in a lot of ways. You're going to have several different tiles in a bag. You start with a couple on the board. Every time you move one of those tiles, it flips over to show a different possible action. On the tile, it has a little grid showing you where you can go and how you can attack people. And that's it. You're just trying to capture the opponent's duke. You do this every turn by either moving a tile or placing a new one from your bag. And it goes back and forth until someone pulls it off. It's a fantastic, quick, accessible game. Tons of expansions add new variability to that bag. That's number 29, the duke. Number 28, Small World. Days of Wonders, classic game about area majority. is so much fun because it allows you to utilize a special race with an additional special ability to conquer other players and really expand your empire. But don't worry, eventually your race is gonna get a little bit tired, you're gonna retire them and bring a new race out to the board. So you never get bored with this game because there's infinite number of combinations. The boards always scales well because there's multiple boards in this game. Fantastic, fun area control game. That's our number 28, Small World. Number 27 is Pandemic Legacy Season 1. This takes the classic core concept of Pandemic and adds layer upon layer of interesting, exciting legacy content to the game. Every game you play has an impact on the future state of the game board, the mechanics that come into play, the story that's being told by the game. One of the most impressive and exciting experiences I've ever had playing a board game in my life, excited to play Season 2, is number 27, Pandemic Legacy Season 1. 
Number 26, Love Letter Premium Edition. Now, Love Letter is kind of the most well-known quick filler game that's possible. It's a four-player game, plays fun, plays simple. It has a number of different iterations after it. But Love Letter Premium does something perfect. First off, great box, great production. The hearts are in the game. Don't have to buy those. The perfect sleeves are in this game. Don't have to buy those either. And it plays beyond the four-player game. Trying to figure out what role somebody has, trying to figure out when you could score special abilities as best as you can. It's fun. It's simple. It plays with everyone, and it's an outstanding addition. That's our number 26, Love Letter Premium. Number 25 is Macau from Stefan Feld. This is a game about the mysterious port city of Macau in China, and you are traveling there and trading and doing all sorts of stuff, as you might expect from a game like this. The game takes place over 12 rounds. You're going to be taking new cards into your hand every round, and then you're going to be rolling dice, which will determine what cubes are available to you on your personalized ship's wheel. So every turn, the ship's wheel is going to turn, and you're going to have different cubes available to take different actions. You have to plan ahead. You have to make sure that you have things available, and hopefully you roll the dice well enough to actually access those different actions and to move across the board and upgrade the different tracks that you're in and to go to these different islands and collect different resources. So much stuff to do in this game. It is fantastic, and it's a shame that it's not available, uh, but it is one of Stefan Feld's best games. Number 25, Macau. Number 24 is another Feld game. It's Amerigo. Utilizing this cube tower is so much fun because in a typical Euro game, you basically want to take an action, but with Amerigo, how much of an action are you allowed to take is depends on this cube tower. Not to worry, because if you didn't get to take as much as possible, it may be available later on in the game based upon what's knocked out in this tower. You're expanding, you're exploring, you're building, you're utilizing special abilities. Amerigo is so much fun. Number number 24. Number 23 is First Class. This is from Helmut Oli, the designer of Russian Railroads, and the best way to describe it is Russian Railroads, the card game, but it is very unique in its own way as well. Um, you're trying to score fame points by building a network of rails, by expanding how big your train cars are, by serving different passengers and making them happy. It's really a card game, but the way you build your tableau and the number of different modules in the game, which change how it plays every time, even just in the base game, you have five modules and you're only gonna play with two of them. Fantastic game, tons of replayability, and fairly accessible at only about an hour, hour and a half. That is number 23, first class. And then number 22 is Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven came out at the very beginning of 2017 and took the world by storm. This is an adventure game that really pays close attention to how you interact with the environment. The cards you play, the mechanisms you have to balance, the way you upgrade your characters, the stuff you unlock as you play through the game. The campaign in this has over 100 different missions you can go on and quests you can unlock new characters when your old one retires you can go to town and buy new things and the core combat mechanisms of the game feel like a puzzle that you earn instead of dice that you pray and hope that you get lucky with gloomhaven is one of the best games period in this genre and it's our number 22 game that's gloomhaven number 21 lisboa now, Lisboa is, once again, a tremendously thematic Euro game in which you're building up the city after multiple catastrophes. Basically, it all comes down to playing cards in order to influence these royals, influence the treasury, build these buildings, activate them using the public buildings, and score as many victory points possible based upon these decree cards that come into play. 
It's a beautiful production. It really is a nice, crunchy Euro game. And Vitello Serta has done a fantastic job here with our number 21 game, Lisboa. Number 20 is the Terra Mystica system in both Terra Mystica and Gaia Project. Um, we put these both together because it is technically the same game system and Gaia Project is so new. But Terra Mystica is a brilliant game in which you are, everybody has their own player board. All these pieces are on the board. And as you place them out on the central board, you will unlock new income, new abilities. You'll draw cards and tiles from the, the central space that give you bonuses and move you up on the priest track, which gives you victory points. There's a power pool where you're moving different power around that you can then use to take extra actions as you build it up. Gaia Project takes all that and kind of amplifies it even further by making the upgrade track even more interesting and giving you new abilities and icons and, and things you can take. And then the board is more modular and has this distance element that you have to take into account. The Terra Mystica system in general, though, is a fantastic system that really works well across both of these games. And whether you like fantasy or sci-fi, there's a game for you here. That's number 20, the Terra Mystica system with Gaia Project and Terra Mystica. Number 19, 878 Vikings, Invasion of England. Now, what's so dynamic about this Academy game is it's asymmetrical gameplay. It's basically a two-player game, but you could play as four. The Vikings are evading in this historic epic. The people of England are defending. And whether you play the English or you play the Vikings... You're always under tremendous pressure to do the best job possible because you may not live to see another round. The expansions really bring in a number of different ways to play the game that are very historic and a lot of fun. Tremendous little miniatures, invading, defending, fantastic. Our number 19, 878, Vikings Invasions of England. Number 18, Empires, Age of Discovery. This is the re-implementation of Age of Empires 3 by Glenn Drover. Uh, and it's basically the same game, which is ramped up and much bigger board. The basic idea of the game is that you're placing workers out on several different action spaces that let you do things like launch expeditions, colonize new regions, expand your merchant fleet, build capital buildings, prepare for war, develop your economy. Each of these spaces is going to activate in order every turn, and you will move your different pieces out accordingly. So you're trying to get capture the resources as you move to the new world, but also get an area majority in those areas so you can score at the end of each age, get the capital buildings that are going to give you extra abilities and points at the end of the game, have a merchant fleet available so you can actually make those actions and move your guys around. So many different things to do here. Very, very interesting take on worker placement because of how they program out. That's number 18, Empires, Age of Discovery. Number 17, Concordia. Now, when you're talking about trading in the Mediterranean, there's probably no better game that does that than Concordia. It's a fantastic game because it utilizes card play in order not only to take actions, but at the end of the game, score multiple victory points depending on that card collection system. You expand, you build your trading post, you expand, you build trading posts, you pick up new people, which is new cards in your hand to utilize even better special abilities. And at the end of the game, those special abilities come back as far as victory points are concerned. That's our number 17 game, Concordia. Number 16, Rune Wars. This is the big, massive, epic. This is the big, massive, epic fantasy 4X game from Fantasy Flight Games that takes place in their Terranoth universe. And it has a little bit of everything. You're going to be gathering resources. You're going to be fighting over area control. You're going to be raising your armies, sieging different cities. You're going to be sending heroes out on different quests in between the phases. 
But in the end, you're trying to find these runes that are hiding throughout the map and control them. If you can do that, you can get enough of them, you'll win the game. But it still takes several hours to find them all and to fight off your opponents and get there. It is an epic game, and it is a fantastic experience. Number 16, Rune Wars. Number 15, Suburbia. Now, Suburbia is always about building up the best Suburbia possible, but it depends on that market. It depends on the placement of your buildings, and it depends on the special goals, public and private, in order to score the most victory points possible. It's a very tight, refined Euro game tile placement at its best. It's tremendous, fantastic fun for everybody involved, whether you're a gateway or a hardcore gamer. That's our number 15 game, Suburbia. Number 14, Terraforming Mars. This game hit me like a lightning bolt last year. It's a fantastic game, and it has so much variability because of the giant deck of 300 individual different cards. You're going to be playing these cards to do a number of different things. You're trying to raise the oxygen level by planting different plants on the on the planet. You're trying to raise the temperature by generating enough heat. You're trying to build new oceans. You are trying to get your own cities out there so you can score more victory points along with all those plants. And you're doing all this while building a tableau of cards that allow you to run an engine to generate new resources and boost up your own personal economy with a personal player power on top of all of that. Terraforming Mars is a malleable, interesting, accessible game that just keeps running strong. It's our number 14. That's Terraforming Mars. Number 13, Through the Ages, a new story of civilization. This is the refined edition of Through the Ages. And it's all about building this fantastic civilization by utilizing cards to build up your basic production buildings, your city buildings, which are going to give you science and faith, and then building up these epic wonders that are going to give you special abilities that you're going to want to have throughout the generations. As the game goes on, so does the technology. So does the leaders that come into play. There's war. There's being able to utilize special contracts in order to partner with certain people at certain particular times and then later on try to grasp victory by getting the most victory points as far as islands are concerned and score the most points possible at the end of the game utilizing those political cards that's our number 13 game through the ages a new story of civilization number 12 is the castles of burgundy card game this is a small box single deck of cards that allows you to replicate much of what the Castles of Burgundy does, but in a lot of interesting and different ways. So you're going to have cards out that represent different dies. Your own personal cards you're going to have each round are going to be die numbers as well. And then you're trying to take actions to purchase cards into your tableau and then build those cards into your permanent tableau. As you build them, you collect sets. These sets allow you to get extra bonuses on the side. You're going to have silver which you generate which allows you to draw extra cards from the deck and take extra actions and the game works fantastic not just at one or two or three or four players at every player count this is the castles of burgundy the card game our number 12 game our number 11 caverner k farmers now this was our number one game not too long ago back at our episode 100 what's so fantastic about this deep rich euro game by 
Uwe Rosenberg is the fact that if you didn't like how Agricola utilized the card mechanic as far as if you're not really that much into Agricola, you're going to kind of get left behind. Caverna allowed those cards to become tiles, those tiles to be laid out so everyone has access to them. So you can kind of really build up any civilization you wanted to. You didn't have to collect everything. You could just really focus on one or two things and score massive victory points. You could even go questing with your dwarves tremendous fun an outrageously fun game that's our number 11 caverna cave farmers number 10 is lord of the rings the card game this is the original lcg from ffg that allowed you to play cooperatively or solo and had a narrative kind of built into the gameplay as you go through this you are coming into contact with different characters and scenarios and locations from the lord of the rings all of the different adventure packs introduce something new or unique or different and at this point you have several different years worth of content. So there are dozens and dozens of packs to work through. It's a very unique experience that really draws on the lore and mythos of Lord of the Rings and it's beautiful artwork to go along with it. That's Lord of the Rings, the card game. That's number 10, Lord of the Rings, the card game. Number nine, Defenders of the Realm. Now what's so fantastic about Defenders is it utilizes the well, well respected and loved mechanic as far as pandemic is concerned but it really allows each player to play their own character. There's no alpha gaming in this game, and you're journeying out in order to gain special abilities to make connections with different fantasy characters in order to take down these evil generals that are heading down to your capital city. It's fun, it's fantastic. Protecting this monarch city is really a dynamic gameplay, and when you get down to those final rolls trying to knock out that dragon, everyone's going to cheer. That's our number nine game, Defenders of the Realm. Number eight, Castles of Burgundy by Stefan Feld. So if we like the card game, of course we like the board game. Uh, this is the original formula, and still probably Stefan Feld's most recognized and arguably his best game. In it, you are rolling dice every round. You have two dice, and you take those actions accordingly. So with the two dice, you can purchase a tile, you can um, ship goods, you can build a tile into your personal tableau. And as you build things into your personal tableau, you will get different bonuses based on what round it is. Everybody can have a different tableau. There are many, many different options depending on what you, how you want to play it out of the box. Lots of interesting mechanics here. It really takes the whole idea of point salad as a lot of people describe his games, and it weaves them together in a way where it makes sense and it really works in an intuitive, not too long or cumbersome way. That's number eight, The Castles of Burgundy. Our number seven is Roll for the Galaxy. Now, where Race did a great job as far as utilizing this space exploration and tableau building, Roll does it even better. Fantastic components as far as these tiles are concerned, these great colorful dice utilizing a more streamlined, simplified market that allows for more complex gameplay. It's so much fun. It brings everyone to the table, whether they loved race or they were a little kind of confused by the symbology here. This actually has text on it, so you're going to have a lot of fun with it. That's our number seven game, Roll for the Galaxy. Number six is Seven Wonders. This is the ultimate card drafting game in which you will be building your own civilization after drafting cards in one of three different ages. So you will start each age with a certain number of cards, pick one, pass it, pick another one, pass it, and then place these cards in front of you. These cards will do all sorts of amazing things. They'll give you resources you can spend. They'll allow you to generate money, which you need for different other cards you're gonna purchase. They will give you straight victory points. They are science, which allow you to build sets. They have military, so you can attack your neighbors. 
it is a quick, accessible, still one of the best drafting games that's available out there. And it is just one of the top games, period, in terms of quick, accessible civilization building. That's number six, Seven Wonders. Number five, Blood Rage. Now, if you take a look at Blood Rage, you're thinking of Merit Thrash all over the place. Fantastic, wonderful miniatures here, but yet really dynamic, complex Euro gaming. It's quick. Everyone can play this game. It's card drafting. It's setting up a particular path of victory that's just for your little Viking horde. Don't worry if you get knocked out. Going to Valhalla actually scores you victory points. So there's really no downside to this game. It's tremendous fun. It's our number five game, Blood Rage. Number four is Seven Wonders Duel. The one thing Seven Wonders did not do well was two players. While it could play two to seven players, that two-player game had a bot, and it was not very fun. So along comes Seven Wonders Duel, completely reinventing and reimagining the Seven Wonders formula in a one-on-one format. It's tight. It's perfectly well-crafted. There's really nothing missing here. Even with the expansion, I don't even think it's necessary. That's why it's our number four game. That's Seven Wonders Duel. Our number three game is The Voyages of Marco Polo. This is asymmetrical gameplay at its best. When you get your role character here, you're like, these powers are crazy, but it's so much fun. You are rolling dice in order to try to hopefully get the right combination to get the right resources in order to be able to meet certain contracts or to travel across this really interesting dynamic board that changes up each game time. It's going to be able to give you special abilities that are just yours until someone jumps in there. And then finally, ramping up, scoring as many victory points as possible. A fantastic, wonderful Euro game that should hit the table every time. That's our number three game, The Voyages of Marco Polo. Number two is Scythe. Scythe is a amalgamation of different mechanics that all come together to make this unique, integrated, fun experience. When you look at the board, it's different than what you might expect. You're going to have your own personal player board, multiple different pieces on that board. And as you take actions and upgrade various pieces, you're going to unlock new abilities, new income opportunities, new actions that you can take with your mechs. You're going to be putting all these things onto the main board and then going out and generating different resources and interacting with the locals, what you know, you draw different cards that give you different options of things you can generate. You'll have your own personal objective cards. The main goal of the game here is to score the most points, but the game ends when you get a certain number of stars. And so you have to balance that out and make sure you don't rush the end of the game if you don't have the necessary pieces in place to score enough points from those stars you generated. So it's a very unique take on how the game ends and how it flows. It looks like it should be a game all about combat and a mara thrashing, similar to Blood Rage like we talked about, but it's really not. It's a Euro resource building uh, management game in which you're trying to make sure all these things work together seamlessly without letting your opponents kind of get the drop on you or take your resources or actually fight you and take something from you that you might need. Scythe is just, it's a sprawling epic experience. Every expansion adds a little bit more to it. There are now two of them out there, and it's it's why it's our number two game. That's Scythe. And our number one game of our top 100 games of all time 2018 edition is War of the Ring 2nd Edition. Now, typically when we talk about universes or realms in a box, it first and foremost comes down to War of the Ring. It's fantastic whether you are a big fan of Lord of the Rings 
or just a casual kind of gamer that really wants to get into a dynamic, long gameplay of a two-player game that really utilizes some interesting dynamic mechanics. Of course, there's all about the war. You have your special ability characters and asymmetrical gameplay that really comes to play in a really different way. You are moving secretly trying to drop off the ring, but at the same time, you're trying to rally your allies to victory. It's fun, it's dynamic, it's nothing else like I've ever played before. That's why I love War of the Ring. War of the Ring is, it's one of those games that it feels like it shouldn't work because so many things are asymmetrical. So many different cards come out and change the gameplay state. So many different ways to approach this and access it. And yet everything flows together so smoothly. And it's one of the best integrations of theme and mechanics I've ever seen. And not only that, but as you play the game or integrate new expansions like Lords of Middle-Earth or Warriors of Middle-Earth, it even adds more to that experience. I've had equal fun playing both the, the Fellowship and the, the Free Peoples trying to move that Hobbit around and get the ring closer to Mordor. And uh, as I've had just building up armies and rampaging through the countryside, trying to take out as many cities as I can with with the with the bad guys there. It's just a fantastic experience. And it's it's like nothing you'll ever play. If you like Lord of the Rings, if you like epic, just epic anything, really, uh, War of the Ring does it all. All right. So that's our number one game of all time, War of the Rings 2018 edition. We've hoped that you've enjoyed this top 100 games. Hopefully you've got a chance to play many of these games. If you haven't, we definitely highly recommend trying those games out or picking them up. They're all definitely buys from us. So until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you a seat at our table in 2018.